Hey there, everybody, and welcome. This is Tavo DRC, Creative Leadership, and the host of the online fellowship.us, which is really the DFW leader online ministry fellowship. We just hang out with the Lord, but right now we are mentioning what really people, real people think about that are not in the systems, the Christian big, you know, religious spirit part of the church. There are many kinds of churches, but there are very few churches that really have know the Holy Spirit freedom, and then they don't have this doctrine about covering and keeping their eye like Pharisees. So I'm here because I represent many people who've escaped, who've loved, you know, the lost first love lampstand. They've left those. The, the Friendly Fire Fellowship of Second Timothy three, sixteen through seventeen. From such turn away command. Pure-hearted people, including myself, have just turned away from that religious legalism. So you can look at me and say, you know, this is one more every person who's hiding out, who's been hiding out at the safest place to have other community that's diverse, that's respectful, equal opportunity, respectful in general, that's wise. Many believers in Christ, as well as non-believers here, it's at the Barista Fellowship. The Barista Fellowship was my only safe place to go for community and people who smiled and lighted up and weren't biased out in the DFW area for all those times. I had a few people, but the other place that was also equally opportunity, wonderful, smart, and diverse, was my local gym. And back then it was Cooper Fitness Center, and it was so down to earth, and people were emotionally healthy. So when I go out to any fellowship, as I represent anybody who walks into any church as a newbie, I'm looking for the Lord. I'm not looking for a club. I'm not looking, you know, I'm a believer, but I want to find like-minded people. But I also look around because I carry in my heart equal opportunity, real respect. That means non-biased, non-people-pleasing. But it's also searching, like, who, who out there, you know, we can talk about the Lord and pray and get together, fellowship from time to time. That's really all I always do. Also, when I was seeking affiliation for the ministry as a apostle is also a free range free spirit minister who's a bible believer knows the book then that was another big huge detriment it was the legalism about everybody submitting to my kind our kind the only kind of legalistic authority and they ran in cliques they ran in systems legalistic systems a party spirit not about wholesome, diverse, Christ-following community, book of Ephesians 4. And see, when I look around at doctrine, that's another thing. I've not been famous. I've not been surrounded, kept isolated from what real life is by having all the staff and cloistered by whatever fame, cloistered by handlers and bodyguards. And, you know, if that ever... If you, you know, you have to have a bodyguard if God leads you because days are weird. But I'm saying in general, I'm out here and I'm more happy because I'm a natural person. I like to have one foot on the ground. I always credit my Baptist upbringing, my really Christian first, Baptist second, way second. And my father who is a pastor. But I do that because it always, I need that to, to just be myself and not feel the peer pressure of all these critical accuser unjustified, I mean self-justifying accuser about legalism 
who is she under she needs to be under us she needs to be under us i think one reason as a prophet as a mature wholesome christian is that my spirit as a prophet picks that up as a a really wayward message of legalistic authority that really other people like myself that are similar including black people many black people who are perceiver discerners will also get that you know attack from just fellow christians because they are under false teaching and then the we can tell it's false teaching one way because it produces accusation accusation phariseeism i call it neo-phariseeism the new phariseeism of the day i remember started back in the 90s when i entered after being a christian ministry since 87 and then really that was my my real ministry uh what do you call it the the titled ministry, you have a ministry type thing back in Richmond, Virginia. And then I'd been in crossbody ministry since I left college in 79. And then I had been brought up in the church, a real Christian pastor's family with not a religion. It wasn't an organized religion. It wasn't, I say, it's my way or the highway. It wasn't biased. It wasn't legalistic. It wasn't chauvinistic. So when you go to the roots of where does chauvinism and misogyny in Christian ministry come from, I think it comes from poor me, self-absorbed country roots, or lack of knowledge of real women, or, or just fear, Jezebel consciousness. And so because I am a cross-body unity, Book of Ephesians kind, I can serve Baptist, Catholics, anywhere, Methodists, Charismatics, but because of what was going on crazy Matica out in the deep southwest over much, the Lord just said, get out of that you know, poisonous tribe and love them, pick out their good stuff, respect them, but don't be in the middle of trying to join up with you know, fellowship too closely because of that accuser spirit, the biased spirit, the negative spirit. And a lot of it is, hoop jumping, people please, and a lot of it is, nosy busybody not speaking too busy to speak too proud to speak too important to speak to the visitor the lowly female lowly black person lowly person that isn't famous and instead you look at them size them up like you did your mama who wasn't jezebel <laughs> was a crafty manipulator and you think she looks like the stereotype of my mother she was a real witch she was a charismatic witch. So the Lord said, this is, you know, that's what I'm teaching. I'm a Baptocostal. Let's put it this way. Apostle, Galatians 1, 1 and 2, after God revealed that to me as my call. And then just trying to be, let's get love and safety back in any kind of fellowship. Baptist, Methodist, black, white, charismatic, prophetic, or anything. So my field as a prophet, as an apostle out in the field is to be embedded. That means in real life. And you run into the fruit of the people who say they are Christ followers. They say they're ministers and they're usually middle income and higher or lower. But the idea is you can look at me. I'm looking to see, am I comporting myself and respecting all authority and boundaries? But then when I go in as a lone Hannah on the front porch steps test case, I guess, I came when I did this for years when I was married still. The, former, you know, the father of my children never went. I would ask people up in Virginia going down to conferences, can you go? 
friend, female friends, would you like to go with me? Would you like to sit with me? Because, you know, sometimes it gets, you know, lonely sitting there because you want to be with, you know, you don't know anybody. And every single time God would say, through the years, even out in Texas, I can't go, I'm too busy, we don't have any money to go. And I would go, and I learned to just hang out, enjoy the time, celebrate my time like a honeymoon with the Lord in my car and going down there on assignment. And that's when I would meet as they, I guess, a scent, lone female of a certain age, a certain look, a certain demeanor. I would meet the doctrines in the body of Christ, many of them, over many of them respectful, not demeaning, not accusing to the new stranger. And, and whenever I go to the African-American ministry, not a problem. No whelp, no, they just light up. When I go to certain kinds that are like Baptist denominationals more, they don't have, they don't have that religious spirit, that doctrine, that critical spirit of accusation. You better be under our authority. You're not covered. You're not under a famous preacher like we. All that stuff, legalism, false teaching, because it criticizes back under the law because it is accusive. It never relates. It never speaks one-to-one. -one. It just looks, assumes, presumes, based similarly, in my opinion, to the Puritans, the Welps, Western European, Western European Levitical patriarchs who were the New England patriarchs. The goods, they did so much good for our country, I'm not putting them down. But some of them, a few of them at least, had warped doctrine because that is where the first Salem witch trials came. And they would use, I've studied this, listen, I have had to, I have wanted to, to protect other females, other ladies, respectful people, all kinds, for Jesus' sake, not being assaulted by religion, insulted and demeaned. So anyway, so I realized that back in the day of the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts that came from the Puritans, the warped people, the good people did good stuff, the bad people, you know, warped doctrines, probably prophetic gifts gone awry, which is what I find is the result of that produces this, perceiver gifts gone haywire, egos involved, all right, so they would think based on spectral evidence, that means spooky vibes, appearance, dreams, nightmares, vibes, the, you know, the Salem witch trials would accuse and on spectral evidence, it was legal to take it to court to try them and they were killed. Some of these females were murdered because of spectral evidence, spooky dreams, spooky vibes on the person who accused them, which was the Levitical patriarch. It is a root as ought against women, fault-finding spirit and immature and weak. So that didn't mean you can't, you know, and also a question has come out of this. I'm asking, I'm rising up to ask this. How much false teaching in a church, in a movement, before you name them a false prophet, a false movement? And I hear a lot of that. You know, I hear a lot of accusation out here in the grassroots, a lot of on TV for 30 years. I've, I've heard a lot of people fault-finding and accusing that's a false apostle. In fact, in the middle-income grassroots, spirit-filled, hate to say it, that is, you know, it's groups of pastors with under 200 in their church, maybe under 100, because I've been around them, I was with them, you know. Uh, all these years, they'll sit around in their own clique, and they say, 
she's a false prophet, he's a false prophet, that TV preacher's is a false prophet. I had one, it, my policy is if I had a really wonderful, kind advisor who would name famous preachers' names and accuse them from the pulpit back in the day, and I had to drop that person. I don't tolerate people accusing, naming famous preachers. I had an evangelist in Virginia that spoke for my ministry because I did have a real ministry and I was around town and office and helper staff and stuff. And this evangelist came and when we would talk in my office, he would try to bring up the dirt on every famous well-known preacher in the day. And that was many years ago. So I have a policy two strikes and you're out. And this person had more than two before I finally realized I'm not putting up with this guy and I made him leave. So I have a real strict policy, but, but I'm not me. I'm doing it for the body of Christ to honor the Lord and the people because I'm not a gossip. That's why I guess I could get so perturbed because when I get, when nobody is direct in these kind of movements that call people witches, Jezebels, that character assassinates, you can read at the top of online fellowship uh, the Ode to Wealth, that's what I went through. Many people have gone through around our nation, males and females, but I wonder if many black have. It's usually the white. When I would go down to, God would send me out like to Tulsa, to fountainheads of movements like Word of Faith, as well as Florida, the Panhandle, the uh, Tampa Bay area, the Tampa and Orlando, then into North Carolina, Charlotte region with healthy prophetic, some of the most healthy prophetic, and I would just learn, and also Pennsylvania, Virginia, different places, Alabama. And the Lord would show me good quality, a lot of great quality, but he'd show me how not to be, and some of these things came out. When I'd go to Florida, which I, back then, it was like 98, 96 to 2003 was my time before Texas, I would think, I love the fire of God. I love the prophetic. I love the deep things of, you know, some of the things I'm seeing moving in the spirit, joy. But I thought, I've never heard so much, you know, down at the grassroots scuttlebutt where you're just trying to meet people and, you know, go to the meetings and sit around for coffee and stuff. I've never heard so many people calling, you know, these are just the junior ministers or just the ones that are not at the top out in the field, I've never heard so many people call other people witches, see witches, and say they moved in the prophetic realm and all this stuff, and I just had to get out of that because I don't do that. So I thought, why? And I look, because I would think, now let me see what I'm God is wanting me to see, and I would see what color are these people, what age are these people, what maturity level, they're very immature, and probably new at it probably came from maybe unstable backgrounds here and there, but I thought, this is what's going on under the name of Jesus Christ following, and it's not pure. And I thought, how come it's mostly white people that are doing that, charismatic white people? I don't see black people. And I'll be honest, these doctrines, witch-watching doctrines, don't come from black people. They come from shepherding white, controlling spirits of legalism, patriarchal legalism, come down from the the Northeast New England Patriot whelps maybe years ago and now down in Florida and coming back up. But anyway, I thought, why are these people, what about, why is it white people? Why? Not all white people do that, or I, I don't do it. A lot of people I know and hang with, I don't do it. They're not under the law that don't accuse. But I thought, why did these come? I think they came up from poverty. I think they came up emotional 
you know, warped or stunted anti-female, but also fear of being controlled. And maybe they were slave drivers. Maybe they were the ones that whipped the slaves out in the, you know, for the slave master. So I don't know their heritage. I'm not putting that on everybody, but there's something fault finding. And then I thought, how come all these people, this is in 1998 to 2003, why are they so immature and, and so much dark doctrine spying? I thought, well, maybe these doctrines come from the white community because they had more leisure time to sit around dreaming up this stuff. I don't know. African-Americans historically came out of, of poverty and then helping the people to survive and single parenting and all the pastors working their heads off because of the community having so much need and stress. And I thought these people are perceiver discerners. You don't need to teach these people prophecy, spirit of prophecy in the African international community. They live it to survive, maybe from the nation of Africa being hunter-gatherers. I don't know maybe because they were persecuted and all the internationals that come over from other faiths have been persecuted so they've got their perceiver skills up pretty high I would think I went through great time of long-term abuse emotional abuse waiting for the other shoe to drop so I think that's when this started helping me be more perceiver discerner plus the Spirit of the Lord and the prophetic moves of God were in my life which are wonderful when I was growing up this is another reason I'm really sensitive and protective of people and gossip, against gossip. When I was growing up as a pastor child, we lived in a small town. Now you can say I grew up in a country church, a Piney Woods preacher's daughter, and that's basically the region I came from where a lot of that type of, you know, real small, modest income, but worthy and gifted people and not celebrity. That was then more rural than it was cosmopolitan like DFW, like I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia as my teens, as also cosmopolitan, and that's really me, and so is Charlotte, I believe, right, what I see. So anyway, so I was out with the Piney Woods preachers, yet my dad was not country raised. He was country raised, but he was educated, very educated, and so as my mother had their degrees, and their, uh, she had almost had her master's, my father, and they came from educated people themselves, and my father had a seminary graduate, from Louisville, Kentucky. So these people were loving and kind and down to earth and relatable, but they were not, you know, haughty or anything. So we'd go to church, and when it was time for my parents to want to take off with me and my sister, we could go to the big city of Richmond from this little town, the tiny town. And I remember in the back seat when I was five, ten years old, I don't know, five or six years old, maybe older. I would hear my parents say to each other, I was in the back seat, they were in the front, and they'd say, let's go to, let's go exit this town this other way because two of our members are gossips and they watch everybody in the town come and go and we don't want anyone to watch us. We want to, we don't want, you know, we want to just be ourselves, not feel people gossiping about us and stuff. So as a kid, five to ten, I don't know, somewhere in there, I remember that and I thought that is an important thing that must be you know it's very important not to mind other people's business not to be a gossip in the church not to be a tailbearer and that is stuck with me my whole life so that's why I've got I guess I'm protective a mama bear a senior office authority mama bear for the sake of the innocent the naive the immature the newbie the people who have never been to church and may want to try your church out because it's for the Lord. So I'm going to be teaching on authority, good authority, 
false authority. People who have a real fault, a real true call to be authority, but they teach false teaching, and that's Phariseeism. So I'm going to be all over it, like whelp on rice. <laughs> so you can call it in your group, whatever who you are, you can say, she's fault finding. She's fault finding. No, I am judging doctrine. I am not judging people. I am assessing the fruit, and I have lived with the fruit, and I survived the fruit, and I'm much happier being far from the Pharisee finger-pointing fruit and the false teaching of authority. So therefore, I better man up and human up and mind my manners, but teach authority based on the Bible, including all the you know, differences between Catholic and uh, Baptist and evangelicals and African-Americans that are not warped and they're, you know, so bad that they're always micromanaging and suspecting somebody being in rebellion, not in their movement. And therefore, I had to go back to be a Novavarian just to stand this <laughs> and to figure out, Lord, because you get, it's a spiritual zone. You get, you know, you're being gossiped about, you know, you're being disapproved of, accused, you feel it, and you think, man, because you are a female and you are a human, you think, well, am I off? Am I really in rebellion? Am I really unsubmitted? And then I realized I had a, you know, back in the day before Texas, I did have board members. I tried, I always tried to be accountable and they, that was fine. I was fine. It wasn't until the new Phariseeism came to town, came to my city and it spread like yeast, even to a couple after the fellowship of ministers would get together, it spread. So there are six or seven in that one circle, and then I think it even in their area, their county, it spread to even evangelicals because I knew some that started watching people <laughs> to see if they were a member of a local church. You know, there's a difference between, let me say it, there's a difference between a command of Paul and a legalism, turning it into an accusation. Example, big time for Pharisees, Hebrews 10:25. It says... It says, do not forsake fellowshipping with the saints if some have. That's Paul's command. We want to please God. We want to go there. We want to be able to find a circle that we feel we can trust. We can trust and also are respected, equal opportunity, valued, and that there's not false teaching in the group. But when you have people that take it, we are over everybody. We need to be over everybody. Our size is small, but our big, you know, mouths are, you know, whatever we think we are. And they start projecting their religion over the area, over people in the grassroots. And it's a common thing because so many do this. It's like they're forsaking the fellowshipping of the saints. They're not... They're not in a local church. That is big. Listen, that is so big. That's why I write. That's part of Ode to Whelp talk. They're not under a famous preacher or bishop like we are. It's only a female. She needs to be under us because she is this stupider vessel. I wasn't raised around men like that. I had really real men that were calm and strong and smart and capable. And they were, you know, they weren't into that accusation of putting people down they didn't need it their esteem was good it was in the Lord they were Christians so that's where we're going you know getting all stirring up the hornets over there like that the religious hornet says we want this new move of God to be different we want God to 
hey, we want it to be instead of, oh, because of legalism in, in America, America and charismatic and everywhere, Baptist and not, I think. Oh, I gotta go to church. I gotta Hebrews ten twenty five or God'll get mad at me. He'll be angry. I'm gonna make it to heaven. My dad'll put me down. My the local pastor will you know, all these things are going on. All the people, the lay people, they'll think I'm evil and I'm you know, so that old legalism stuck in the psyche, the collective psyche of America in my opinion, is out here in the grassroots. And that's why a lot of people won't go because they don't want to be talked about. They don't want to have the guilt trip of pressure forcing them out of guilt, shaming them to go to church. So my motto, my mantra for Hebrews 10.25 is remove the law, be more respectful to everybody, don't mind their business, and maybe they'll want to go and we can make it a different day saying instead of I got to go to church and fellowship with the saints or God won't like it. Or you could say, I get to go to church. That's what we want. I get to go to church. I get to hear from God. I get to have the peace of God. The corporate anointing is bigger and stronger when you're with a bunch of people than when you're gathered at home, even online. And that can be pretty strong. It's going to be great. YouTube and fellow friends and worship, you know, can really bring on God. He can come wherever he wants to. But it's so much more to, it's like a pencil. And let me give you my illustration. Let's see, I don't have a pencil say this is a pencil if you have one pencil that's you fellowshipping alone if pressure comes really hard hellish stress comes a pencil can be snapped in half but if you have a group of pencils that's the principle of fellowship corporate worship that god wants for you to protect you you have the availability to go where they're all the pencils together and it's really hard to snap and break a group of pencils Qualifications are they are not the Pentecost fellowship, they are not the ones that look like over time second Timothy three one through five the construction of our Pentecost fellowship and they uses boasters rather than themselves because they don't you know, why bother? The issue is if people go and they are any skin color, they should be welcome and this folks is a human equal opportunity fellowship in the saints ability. I'm going to go because I'm going to keep on going to do something else for the Lord. And we have fun. We want to have community. This is how they do it. signing off and out. We want to correspond. It's not. It's how they leader us at, at gmail.com. How they leader at us. If you want counsel, if you want uh, teaching, training, let me know. If you want the encouragement, uh, you know, if you've been through the fire like 100, some 143 abuse weeks, let me know, because I've been through some of that. God brought me out and you know, brought me all the way through. That's part of my ministry. So God is good at, you're looking for a friend. Now, up in Charlotte area, but really Fort Mill as well, that area, we're looking for a, a family to be online with me, to have like a family fellowship, musicians and things like that. I'm not, and I want all colors. I'm not trying to be forcing I will just choose a black person to look good which would be evil for the black person or the Hispanic or the Asian I want God to send the homogenous group the real group because I want it to be like family I can let them do their thing and I'll do mine and you know one thing we are not under shepherding we are not under controlling you don't have to be under me I'm Galatians 1 1 and 2 which says 
Paul, an apostle, not sent out by any one person, not sent out by any one group. I and the brothers, that means brothers and sisters and leaders, that are with me. Paul said they're co-laborers. They're with me. They have their own assignment. We just gather together, and Paul is sort of the, the host of the community, and then they do their thing. So that's all I'm thinking about. So we want to have that non-legalism. And, you know, I'm one that can be like an outpost. I could be sent, and I could fellowship with a group, your group, another group, and enjoy myself, and then go do my thing, because I have a lot I get to do, but it's at a unique timing. It's not nine to five. So God is good. All is well. And we want it to be well done. I have this need for prayer to make it look better, you know, better economy to upgrade and everything. But my my call has been to help grassroots who are gifted, maybe, you know, don't have a lot of money because it doesn't matter. The goal is equal opportunity, real respect, and a spirit of excellence. That's what we want. That's why I need more people and also more prayer to have a better spirit of excellence because you know I can't do it all but the idea is a spirit of excellence at every budget need every budget level a spirit of excellence do it for you do it for our teach this phrase in ministry a spirit of excellence at every budget level and that's what we're looking for now I might look tired because I am tired I might look today, you know, I didn't know I'd be on camera, so I have no makeup on. But we're doing our thing, hanging out with God, and full of joy. But we really are sent and enjoy the peaceful, non-religious barista fellowship level of life. And you know what? We are full of the love of God and the fear of God and the Holy Spirit of the Lord without being self-righteous or accusative or putting anybody down for their race, their faith, their lifestyle, we respect them, equal opportunity, real respect, and that is the first step of showing the love of Christ. This is Tabo Diarcy signing off for now. God bless you. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Have some great days. All right.